everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0. I'm Catherine Druckmann, and I'm talking to Doc Searles. And we are going to talk about European privacy, even though we're not European, but that's fine. It's fine. Well, <laughs> we're allowed. Right? By, by heredity and uh, by all these yeah. stamps on my passport. I have a yeah, lot of exactly. Those. We're close enough. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think like- it, it, it is the mo- more interesting uh, privacy legislation is, is happening in Europe right now. And, and I, I do kind of see these as a, a, a predecessor, probably, to something that's going to happen eventually in the U.S. So, uh, yeah, good luck. But yeah, well, but I mean, maybe. unfortunately, you know, we're dealing with the GDPR here. We're dealing with lots of European laws. Um, every time we have to hit click consent to something on a website, right? They're, yes. they're being GDPR compliant or cookie policy compliant or, you know, California CCPA, you see outside of California, those things that say, please don't sell my information, which were occasioned by the, uh, by the uh, CCPA. The, the DMA is, is, a, is a creation of the European uh, Commission. And I'm looking right now at their at their website. It's interesting, a lot of stories have been written about this. I was looking through, not many of them linked to this website, but the website is remarkably lucid about what it means. It's, it's yeah. aimed at gatekeepers, what they call gatekeepers, which you could guess who they are, but the idea that um, there are platforms that in fact are giant um, uh, walled gardens, not just silos, but these walled gardens that host markets and uh, amount to public spaces and they define a, a gatekeeper as a company that has um, a strong economic position, they say, significant impact on the internal market, active in multiple EU countries, which means the world. Means they, they have a strong intermediation position, meaning that they, they, you have to go through them to do business, um, have an entrenched and durable position in the market. Uh, and the, the key thing there is that they have a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. And the dues, I think, are welcome to anybody who's operating in there. Um, allow third parties to interoperate with the gatekeeper's own services. Um, allow their business users to access the data they generate in the use of the gatekeeper's platform. Provide companies advertising on their platform with the tools and information they need for advertisers and publishers to carry out independent verification. Um, allow their businesses, business users to promote their offer and conclude, conclude contracts, not easy to say for me, uh, late in the day with their customers outside the gatekeepers platform. In other words, try and operate like an open market rather than, than holding all those things close to yourself and not letting anybody else know what's going on. Um, they may no longer treat services, these are little at red X's, services and products offered by the gatekeeper itself more favorably in ranking than similar services and products. In other words, don't put your finger on the scale. Um, Prevent consumers from linking up to businesses outside their platforms. Um, In other words, don't shut off links, uh, which some of them do, I guess. Uh, Prevent users from uninstalling any pre-installed software or app if they wish to. And uh, and of course, then I go into uh, what the consequences of non-compliance are. And there's fines up to 10% of the company's total worldwide annual turnover that's bigger than the, the, the GDPR was like 4%. Yeah, it was much when, smaller. Um, periodic penalty payments. And, you know, your iPhone does this, your 
your Android phone is a target here. I imagine, I don't know, maybe Samsung would be, I'm trying to think of ones other than the usual. Um, I don't think Facebook exactly fits into this, but I can hear people in the audience saying, no, 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 they do. So let us know if you think so. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what actually happens here. What yeah, so yeah. one of the things that got us starting, you know, started on this topic today was that an article that, you know, I shared in our, our little uh, chat group from Forbes speculating that actually Google and thereby Alphabet is a beneficiary potentially, because, you know, as you've pointed out, an environment that Google provides does not necessarily require does not require the things that the European privacy laws exclude. So in other words, you know, smaller, smaller businesses may actually be the ones that are, that are more harmed than, than the giants that I think are maybe the intended target. If there is a target. Yeah. I have to say, I've read through that. I was trying to think how do they, how are they advantaged? I mean, obviously um, Google and Facebook are enormously advantaged in their own. They're both advertising businesses. They're advantaged by owning the platforms and being able to set up the systems by which they win on those platforms and, and get business. You know, they, they're going to lose the app, their monopolies over their app stores. They're going to require to have messaging services interoperable with smaller rivals. That's a big one. But I, I, I guess what they're saying is that being U.S. based, they're they're they get to escape the European rules. Do you do you read it that mm, way? No, I think I think honestly they're kind of conflating they're conflating the Digital Markets Act. I think with anti tracking, and, and and I think that's incorrect, actually. So I think they're they're really focused on the sort of somewhat outdated argument now that. Google doesn't need, for example, third-party tracking. Well, yeah, we've established that and, and moved on. And I think the financial analysts may be a little bit behind on that. But, you know, it's also interesting, you know, they, they aren't mentioned in, in an article, and I'll share the article, but another thing that, that is being debated rather uh, uh, hotly is the messaging interoperability, which is That's also falls yeah. under, under the DMA. And... And that one's really interesting because we've talked about it actually here quite a few times. We've talked about it with Kyle Rankin mm-hmm. from Purism because, you know, obviously they, uh, you know, mobile chat platforms are kind of a big thing for them. Um, but, you know, something that we talked about it as a protocol sort of as, the, you know, our, our desire to see the same kind of interoperability. But I think something that we never addressed that's coming up now is encrypted messaging. And I mean, so you, 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 there's an argument now that you kind of have to have those two side by side. So there, there is still an argument to be made that all of these chat apps should communicate with each other, like Jabber of, of you know, the olden days, for those of us who remember using Jabber. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you still want your WhatsApp to maintain its end-to-end encryption. And you still want Signal to do the same. And if you, you know, have to open it up to communicate with other platforms, that could be problematic. Now, it, it also could just be you know, a matter of uh, polishing the UI in order to have sort of a secret private mode and a talk to the world mode. So 
I mean, it kind of remains to be seen, but it is, but it is a interesting and, and probably the, I think the aspect of the digital markets act that maybe impacts the most people in a very, you know, kind of personal day-to-day manner. Whereas I don't think most people necessarily consider the impact of all aspects of it. I think that's the one where, where people are, most people will have actual experience with it. So interesting. Yeah. I, you mentioned Jabber, and uh, um, with that came the XMPP protocol. That was a generation ago, twenty years or more. Um, I don't know if we do we ever have Jer- did we ever have Jeremy Miller on the show? I don't know if we did or not, but no, um, I don't think so. He's an old friend of Linux Journal, and um, and he's the guy who came up with it in the first place. And it had so much promise in the day. I don't know why exactly it failed. Um, maybe it had something to do with the tech. I know that. There, there was at least with it the beginnings of a, of a standard underlying protocol that you know, such as we have with email and and HTTP uh, for 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 messaging. And instead, now we have hundreds of different uh, messaging systems, and all of them, almost all of them, in their own way, are proprietary. And they have middle, and they have a middle in them. I mean, that, that the problem with WhatsApp and the rest of it is. They're going to encrypt it for you. You're encrypted on it. They say they can't look at it, but they're still in the middle. There was a, an outfit that um, Joyce and I worked with in the mid-teens, um, actually up until 19, no, 2015, called Credo out of the UK, Q-R-E-D-O. And the author of that was a guy named Davy Salas. And, um, and he had a system whereby um, any two parties could create what he called a skyhook that was your own way to reach each other, a message that I want to talk to each other while doing minimum disclosure and avoiding any platform in the middle. Um, but he died. <laughs> and, and that was the end of that, unfortunately. And But that's the last, I mean, since then, it's sort of like we're in this, you know, your, your free market is your choice of captor and your captor is one of these gatekeepers and you have to operate inside the gatekeeper system. And for all the encryption you might have, I think as long as you're inside a gatekeeper, you're kind of dependent there. So, I mean, that's not a very technical position, but it is a, it is a market one. And I think it's something, I, I go back and forth on it between thinking, we are just screwed. We're, we're screwed because we're always gonna have to deal with the big guys because only the big guys can get the scale. And people will want to go on something. You know, I want to go on Facebook. I want to go on WhatsApp. I want to go on SMS. I want to go, you know, on Signal or on on uh, Telegram. And there's the understanding that you're in that space. You don't say you have to go on email. <laughs> I don't have to. I go on the web, but I'm not. The web yeah. doesn't belong to anybody. Yes. <laughs> you know, and and there ought to be on. You know, you ought to be able to go on chat or on messaging that is outside right. of anybody's system like that. Yeah. I mean, it's still a system. I think it's sort of on, on the, jo- the on email joke is being like, email is like, you know, getting on the freeway. It's getting on the road. But it, that is still a, a system that is somewhat contained. Or it, it has a, it's a planned. Well, it's, it's distributed. You know, connected, and, and the, but it is distributed and, it, and yeah. there's no central freeway everyone has to get on. Whereas, you know, the yeah, Facebooks I, of the world are going to the mall, right? It's I, not. Right. It's a very different experience, but so, okay. So back to, to the provisions of the Digital Markets Act. 
So, so they have this great website, which again, we will link to that sort of outlines the benefits and what does it mean and, and, and do's and don'ts and all this great stuff. Um, but then it also has, it breaks down what it calls new rules for users. <laughs> and I'm having a hell of a time trying to figure out how any of the provisions of the DMA lead to the description that or the, the, the kind of bullet points on their new rules for users page, which is a safer online environment, better protected consumers. Okay, I can maybe see that one. Oh, Empowered citizens yeah. and users, quality digital service at lower price. I don't really believe any of those. I, 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 <laughs> yes, I, 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 I am so appalled by that page. It's, uh, it's, it's there. <laughs> It, it's and the safer a, I mean, one, like, what a, in the world a, does it have to you do You are that? still a freaking data slave. You know, users are informed about and consent to removal of content by platforms. Users will have access to transparent terms and conditions for platforms. Nothing about, you bring your own terms and conditions. You are in charge of your own data. You, yeah. you know, oh my God. But I and guess- And by the know, way, get used to the biggest modal window you have ever seen. Yeah, I mean, so, so, <laughs> so that to me, and, and maybe this is the, what the Forbes author, uh, John Markman, I think. Uh, yeah, John Markman is, is trying to say there, which is because all these rules are about the big gatekeepers, it's given them a name, you're the big gatekeeper. And it's sort of presuming that if you're dealing in a large market for anything, you are dealing in a gatekeeper world. And um, it's kind of like, okay, you can go to Disneyland or Six Flags, you know, or, or to Circus Land or like any of the hotels on the strip in, in, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you're gambling in Las Vegas and you're going to be going to hotels. These are our rules for the hotels. These are rules for the big casinos. You're going to be dealing inside those rules. And there's no sense that you have any independence. And, and I, I just despair of us having ever having a sense of independence because we are so dependent on being in these places. So, you know, it's sort of like it reifies the construct of the giant, um, of the giant uh, uh, walled garden, you know, and and they're basically guard. It's like another metaphor, you know. It's kind of like you live in the Middle Ages. It's all medieval out there. You there are no city. You're not an independent actor at all. You're a serf, and we're protecting you, serfs, in these different castles. You can go from castle to castle. We've got our rules for the castles, but when you're in the castle, you have to deal by their in their systems, rather than you bring anything independent into them other than your money and your attention to their ads or whatever it is they're doing. So we've had Bruce Schneier on. No, it's been yeah. a while. I wonder if he'd come back, but. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So he has a post and it's, you know, a classic <laughs> uh, about the four horsemen of the internet apocalypse. And that's what they talk about in the safer online environment. And I, I feel like anytime you just, you want to pass some legislation, you want to, you want to set up any kind of new system you just whip those out and slap it on, even if it's completely irrelevant. Like, I don't, I don't actually see how any of these, you know, pr protecting interoperability, how that curbs the, the spread of hate speech, for example. Well, okay, this, so this is Europe and the hate speech is a completely different argument over there than it is here and okay, fine. But, um, you know, terrorism, porn, drug, you know, online drug dealing or, you know, Silk Road or, you know, whatever used to happen. I don't know. Like, but how is that relevant here? Like, it just can't, well, you know, can't wrap my head around it. So you can't just put it on a website, just, you know. 
I don't know. It's weird. It's just like but, we we need some some talking points for. Well, here's uh, here's an users. interesting so interesting one. Since, since you brought up Bruce, Bruce Bruce Schneier is the one who said, um, he he called what we live in now the feudal internet. This is you're 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 in the you're in the principality of Apple and the duchy of uh, of Facebook and the kingdom of of Google, um, and and he's right about that. That's basically what these laws this law addresses. I'm, I'm looking right now at his four horsemen quote. He says, beware the four horsemen of the information apocalypse, terrorists, drug dealers, kidnappers, and child pornographers. Seems you could scare any public into allowing the government to do anything with those four. Well, basically what our kind of corollary to that is, or the EC's corollary to that is, okay, it's not just about those four, it's also about the giant gatekeepers, right? So the, the government of the, the governments of the, of the EU have been scared into, into controlling these gatekeepers with a bunch of rules that are it's good that they're being applied. We, we do want a, the rule of law in the world. And these companies in different ways have been acting uh, badly in the sense that they own these markets and they're controlling these markets and they aren't allowing real competition and they're hiding data and they're, you know, they're putting their fingers on the scales and all these other things that they want them to stop doing. My criticism is not of the act itself, even. I, I think a lot of these, a lot of the provisions are potentially quite helpful, right? It's it's more my cynicism about <laughs> adding justifications that are unnecessary. Like you could just say this impact, you know, it it's consumer protection and, and we'd be done with the, the conversation. You don't need to pretend it's going to make the world a safer place and you don't need to pretend that it's going to make anything cheaper because it's not. I don't know, it's silliness. It's like overselling. Yeah. That's what they're doing. They're overselling. Well, they've got to say what they're doing, you know, and, yeah. and there it is. And, uh, and of course the, the financial, you know, coverage is going to be about what's this going to do to the, you know, to these companies, they're only going to get bigger because that's what they do. You know, yeah. I mean, I was looking, I think I was actually looking at what happened with Toyota and Volkswagen. Toyota re overtook Volkswagen as the biggest, um, as the biggest car maker in the world, they're within a, mm -hmm. you know, they're like a, qu a quarter, a half a trillion dollars in, in revenues and they're differ by like a few million. So it doesn't really matter. But at the top is Apple with a trillion dollars. <laughs> revenues, <laughs> you know, trillion dollars, something like that. They're um, about to hit three trillion in their valuation. In valuation. I, I, I tend to, I like to ignore that because you don't buy their valuation, you buy their products, you know, so well, but consumer. it's but here we are. We're both using them, and you know, got an iPhone here. But they're, I mean, they're, I mean, that is a that is a big land to have a gate in front of it, <laughs> and, and you know, oh God, it, you know, I, I guess what I want to see is besides from us and too few of, of our own colleagues is, is, is some clarity about what a free market actually looks like and what a free internet actually looks like and what a free and open space, how that actually works. And why is it that the internet itself is open and free? And, and so is, you know, and it's these base protocols. There isn't a base protocol for chat. I mean, there just isn't at this point. Maybe there will be. <laughs> well, maybe, hopefully the there will be. But these, but but these are also differentiated. That I don't know how do you how do you how do you put a string through all those pearls when one is a beach ball and one is a basketball and one is a you know um, 
And how do you, you know, not ruin everybody's security in the process? Yeah. So, you know, the, your comment about Apple and the, the hugeness of the garden that is walled, um, I heard just in the last week that Apple is talking about coming out with financial services. It's a yeah. you know, suite of products, I guess you might. I mean, they already have Apple Pay and they have an Apple credit card, but they're going to expand their financial services, which is really interesting because I think that's going to really get the European <laughs> going. Well, a, that starts to even be more of a monster, right? At that point. I mean, I, guess, I don't know what they have in the bank now, but they, they had a, even back in Steve Jobs' time, they had a massive amount of money in the bank. They could just mm -hmm. buy whatever oh, they, they wanted. Oh, they still do. So, they always have a lot of money. So like when they bought, I mean, a, people were appalled back in the day that they bought Beats, I think, for like $2 billion. You know, chump change. You know, chump change. <laughs> you know, that's that's when two billion was a real money. You know, <laughs> I I think it makes total sense for them to do anything that they think can, you know, line extend them. I suppose too. It's smart for them to do, or any for any big company to do now, given what's happening with um, with cryptocurrencies. You know, I mean, it's there is a revolution going on there. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of scammy stuff happening, but they, you know, if they could make that easy, if they could, you know, make sense out of that marketplace, create right. some normalization in it. Um, yeah. I don't know if they Coin. would or not, or if that's an ambition. <laughs> I mean, it, it's certainly, I mean, financial services is something where you just make a little, you make money on money. And so, and on, and on, you know, transit of money and the rest of it. So I in the whole transactional world. And so that's not a bad thing to do if you, you know, if you're equipped to do it and maybe they are. Yeah. I can see I them going, you know, kind of taking, you know, they could buy SoFi or they could, um, you know, they're, they're, I don't even necessarily think they need them. Although SoFi just became a bank or they got whatever designation gives them FDIC insurance. And then so they're an I, actual bank now. Um, I, I hate to admit that to me, SoFi is a stadium in Los Angeles. I, I, I don't know much <laughs> else about the company. I, like, I actually don't either. They do loans and they do, um, I think I think maybe you can buy crypto through them now. I, I don't even know what all they do, but they're also a bank and you can open an account and, yeah, account and stuff like that. Maybe investing, I'm not sure. But, you know, I, but it's basically, it's, it's, you know, SoFi, it's PayPal, it's, you know, it lists off all of the financial services or fintech companies and Apple could totally wipe them all out. <laughs> you know, they could just well, they they either wipe. buy one or you know, yeah, they, they world could. where, but where, I'm, I'm, where Apple is your bank too. You never have to it? leave the Apple ecosystem ever. <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know. I mean, if you're doing a, a big financial service, you're not necessarily going to want to make it part of your, an obvious part of your empire. You just want the income that comes out of that and the greasing of the wheels of commerce that you get from having, having that. I'm, I'm thinking if, if I were Tim Cook and I, somebody came to me and said, we need to start a financial services thing. Mm -hmm. I'd want to say, how would we build it from the ground up rather than who would we buy? You know, what would that be? Yeah. You know, what we, and in the world we have now, what would that be? Um, it would have to be transnational in a gigantic way. Uh, it would have to offer 
ease of, I mean, they could bring Apple's, you know, supposed advantages with ease of use. Um, I think that that it's that's a gloss on a lot of what they do because a lot of it what they do actually isn't that easy to use. But um, I I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I, I just looked up SoFi SoFi Stadium and there's nothing in it about SoFi <laughs> itself. So it's uh, there's branding for you, you know. So right. Um, I I, sh- I, I want to plug something, which is that, and I don't know, we we could maybe point to it on in the newsletter or something, which is. Over from 2006 until 2019, I took photos of the building of the SoFi, of the destruction of the of the Hollywood racetrack and casino, which was on that site. And it was this beautiful big green uh, racetrack. Uh, they tore that down. They put a crater in the ground and they built the SoFi Stadium out of it. I don't have it complete, but it's a it's a pretty interesting. Um, freeze frame, like about 20 or 30 shots that I took from arriving airplanes at LAX of that site and of the place being built. So there's that. That's something I know about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So, so, so far it's one of, there are, there are a lot of these sort of new financial tech companies, right? They're not all banks and invest. So there, you know, you could talk about the trading platforms like you know, Robinhood or the crypto stuff like Coinbase or, um, and then there's the whole, there's a whole segment of the buy now, pay later. Are you familiar with those? There's a firm, yeah. there's Afterpay, Klarna, PayPal even does it. Um, but Apple, I don't know if they formally announced, but they hinted around that they're dropping the deal with Goldman Sachs who gold. So if you have an Apple credit card, it's Goldman Sachs, right? Um, and hmm. I guess maybe they don't need Goldman Sachs anymore, which is interesting. I mean, because they're Apple, they're, you know, they don't need anyone, (laughs) but I I could easily see them. And so they have the wallet and Apple pay. And if they get rid of Goldman Sachs, so they're their own credit card company. Um, And then they, they start getting into the buy now pay later space. And then they, you know, if they start getting into, I don't know, investing, or, I mean, I could just easily Mm. see them one by one pushing out all each of these segments of uh, the financial tech companies, which is, I don't know, it's interesting because, you know, if we're talking about digital markets, that seems like a pretty, uh, pretty relevant bull in a China shop situation. But I don't know, maybe not. Yeah, I, it would be, I mean, it, it would be interesting. I'm, I'm looking here at, at SoFi itself. I didn't realize it'd been around since 2011 and it was started by four grad students who met us at Stanford. Um, but they've gone through some shifts over the years, including most recently into uh, into uh, crypto and stuff. Um, yeah, they do. They do investing. Yeah, so yeah, I pulled it up too. trading. So yeah, it's you know, it's one stop shopping for anything financial. It looks like at this point. Yeah, I mean, student they, loans, banking, home loans, auto loans, insurance. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think your 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 original instinct might be right. I mean, their their current revenue is under a billion. Um, they actually, their income they lost in twenty, they lost totally half them. a billion in uh, in twenty twenty one. Their current assets, I guess that's their market cap is nine point one seven six billion, and Apple could pick that up pretty easily. Um, yeah, thirteen. And well, what would that mean though? That's the really big. I, thing. I don't know and what it would mean. I mean, I think imagine Apple being that big. I mean, it's like it seems like. 
like we we it's we almost joke about how you know we're you know old school open source people but we have so many apple products we are so like you know petros also who is a regular sean is also an apple person for the most part um you know we joke about it but you know just imagine apple becoming an even bigger monster i don't know yeah thought. yeah um and will we welcome the their overlords i suspect some of us would yeah, I see. Oh, okay, well, we joked in a previous episode. I should, I should dig it up. Sean, I think, uh, joked about Apple health insurance. They'd probably do it better. It would be easier to use. We'd well, do a better job. I don't know. Was that, like there were three big companies. I think it was Amazon and a couple of others that tried to get together. Oh, and Berkshire Hathaway, I think, to do something with healthcare. They were going to cure healthcare. Um, didn't happen. I'm looking here, Apple's actual revenues are 365.82 billion. They're still gigantic. So they're a third of a trillion. Uh, that's still plenty big. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling, and there's a, we don't have to talk about it on this show because I don't understand it, but I have a friend in, in Australia, Kevin Cox, who'd be good to have on the show actually, who, thinks the entire financial system that we have is all about just generating more wealth and not necessarily more savings or more mm. good in yeah, general that um, and 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 I'm not an enemy of capitalism by the way I just think calling calling all of business capitalism is not quite right because the role of capital alone is not that big when you're just opening up a nail salon or you know, selling mangoes by the side of the road or, you know, or most of what most small business is not, not built to grow to infinity and is not a unicorn or doesn't want to be a unicorn. Um, but I, I, I really sense that there's a stage after the current crypto obsession that's none of the above, but actually starts with what value do people bring to the marketplace that's other than cash? And, uh, and that could be on the sell side as business or on the buy side as a customer. But I just want to flag that. Kevin Cox, he'd be good to have on the show. Like good to have Bruce, uh, Bruce back and Bruce Schneier back and see if he'd like to talk about the fifth horseman of the apocalypse, which is these guys. <laughs> you know? yeah. I'd be curious to know what that is now or what he sees it as. I think uh, I want to say that he, he, it's been a while since he originally wrote that. I can't say how long, but I think uh, the threats have evolved, certainly. So yeah, it would be yeah. interesting to revisit. So here's a completely unrelated thing. And maybe we could touch on this before we, we quit because it's interesting. I did not even know that Wordle was only on the web. It was only on a website and all of the Wordle apps that you can get on a phone are knockoffs. They're all knockoffs. Mm -hmm. And, and all of them track you. <laughs> they're, they're all full of trackers. And I just deleted every one of them, including one that I wasn't finished with um, the latest puzzle off my phone. I did. I don't want those things on my phone, but that's, you know, and, and one of the, anyway, I just I wanted to bring this up because, uh, I'm surprised that it's not an app. Um, yeah, I mean, all it is, it's just JavaScript. 
it's that's why so that's why so you actually posted a link to uh, instructions to DIY Wordle and so you don't you know have to oh really track. make your own Wordle yeah or, or, or not yeah. make your own but I mean basically download the the Wordle code and run it locally and then you don't have to to access the the uh, Times website at all and therefore you don't have to participate in tracking now do you want to do the work necessary to do that just to avoid the ad trackers I don't know um, but it's it's not such a huge deal a lot of people are doing it doing you know basically self-hosted local copies of of the wordle code and you just have to make sure your word list is updated um and there you go you can play and it's the same exact game and you don't have to do it yeah. on their site now are most people going to do that absolutely not most people are going to just go to the you know, new york times version but yeah, but yeah so here they have no less than <clears throat> let's see 12 different um wordle type apps in the google in the in the in the google play store and 80 percent of them allow at least one third party to collect your ip address every app allowed at least one third party to fingerprint your device one app shared uh, shared your data with the, with baidu in china the most popular wordle clone makes as many as 570 server requests in just four minutes uh, those are all for tracking um, two iOS apps fail to ask the required permission to allow advertisers to track you across websites. And again, even if they do, you have to ask them not to track mm -hmm. you, not tell them, which is another don't problem. Sure, I mean, we won't track you, wink, wink. <laughs> well, to, to, to loop this back to the EU again, um, it would have been great if the EC and the European Commission had said to all of the platform providers that you will not allow any tracking by anybody and you will obey the user's um, insist, you know, whatever the user's terms are. If the user says, I don't want to be tracked off of this site or out of this app, I, I won't allow it. I will allow analytics on my, at my grace, but I don't, I don't have to opt out of anything. And that's the thing. It's it, it, it you know, putting all of the agency on the part of these feudal systems just kind of makes the feudal system worse. So that's sort of my concluding remark. Well, on that note, <laughs> perhaps that is the conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> the, the note in the music you'll bring up. Yeah, I like it. Seems good to me. Um, yeah, and in conclusion, download Wordle and do it yourself. We'll link to the article yeah, <laughs> if you good. so choose. I like it. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we hope you'll join us again as we make our way through the next topic. And uh, until then, 